Hello and welcome again to Five Plain Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to Native American artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bearers, people in our community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of CANA, the Native American programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our Native American community from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Keith Braveheart. Keith is a young and leading artist in South Dakota who currently resides in Kyle, South Dakota. Keith received his bachelor's degree from American Indian Arts Institute in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and his MFA from the University of South Dakota. Currently, he is teaching at Oglala Lakota College on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. Currently, he serves on the South Dakota Arts Council and will be an instructor at the upcoming Northern Plains Summer Art Institute in Fargo, North Dakota. A part of what makes Keith so interesting is his honest reflection and active gratitude he carries with him when he speaks. With dignity and humbleness, he's always such a pleasure to speak with. So let's jump into this interview with Keith. Well, Keith, thank you for joining us. Um, five plain questions, uh, five questions for uh, for you to introduce to the community, younger listeners, uh, people to get to know who you are. Um, this is a long running, not a long running series. This is a, a new series, um, potentially a long running series, uh, that introduces, um, Native American artists, indigenous artists from the area, uh, to a, to a wider audience that may not be too familiar with us. And so thank you for joining us. Uh, the first question is, uh, can you tell us about your background and where you're from? Well, my background is first, uh, I'm a Lakota, Oglala Lakota. That's usually how I, I identify first. And I'm an artist. I always identify second as an artist. And I grew up in Kyle, South Dakota. We call it Pejuta Haka. It's on the Pine Ridge Reservation. I grew up here. My dad's from here. Uh, so I, I spent time here with my dad's side of the family, my grandma, my unchi, but all mine. Uh, cousins and uncles and aunties. We have a really big family, so that was my upbringing. But my mom's actually from New Mexico, so I'm half of um, my cultural identity is Pueblo, and I'm Santa Domingo and Asleta Pueblo. And I, I did I did spend time down there, back and forth, but the majority of my life was up here in South Dakota. And um, I'm very thankful to to both sides of my 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 family because a lot of that helped develop who I am and how I see the world and really kind of my belief of, of certain um, perspectives and connections and, and you know, engagements with, with life. Uh, I think one of the main important things about uh, who I am is, is family, you know, this, this idea of kinship relatives, and it's really emphasized in all indigenous cultures, but I think it's, it's very um, prolific in Lakota perspective as understanding you know, how you're a relative to one another. So that's, that's who I am. And, and I did have an opportunity to, to spend, like I said, the majority of my life here in Kyle, which is a small rural community. And I, I went to school here and I, I enjoyed it. You know, it was just a, it's a very, um, I felt like it was a, a happy, content life, you know, just growing up on the, on the res. And uh, for me, that's all that I really looked towards. Yeah. So 
who I am is I'm, I'm Lakota and I'm also Pueblo. You know, I really identify first as being Lakota and then an artist. And what I do is I, I, I try to utilize my, my privileges, my passion, my desire for art uh, to help share my voice as who I am as a Lakota person and also to help share um, insight into who we are as Lakota people. And I think that my interests are really in contemporary perspectives. I really understand the importance of under, uh, of looking back to our past and, and having that structure and foundation there of who our ancestors were. But I think today it's important for us to speak about our identities today of who we are. And for me, like I said, I, I grew up here on the reservation and I was very happy with that. I was very content with that lifestyle. To me, I never really questioned who I was. I automatically knew who I was. Um, it wasn't until much later on where you get these different kind of per, um, perceptions and, and perspectives of, of worldviews that tell you or make you question who you are. And I, I knew that I was Lakota. I also knew that I was Pueblo because I, I was brought up in that context, in that community. I went through all of these different protocols and different kind of... Um, customs the devout who I was you know I grew up listening to my my relatives speak their 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 languages their ancestral languages but I've also grew up watching tv and, and going with my cousins to rent movies and play basketball and things like that as well too um, so throughout high school I think for me it was just more about um, recognizing the love for for your home. And there was little bits of art that, that were introduced to me throughout high school. You take an art class here and there through grade school. But for me, it was, it was nothing very extensive. It wasn't very uh, life-changing yet. And really for me, what, what changed my, my scope of, of life and my direction was when I was introduced to the Oscar House Summer Art Institute. And that really kind of came at the exact ending of my high school time. So I always say that that opportunity was was a life changer for me. And that's really what developed uh, who I am now and who I'm very confidently in, in saying who I am as a, as a Lakota artist. So uh, that's kind of just quickly, I think, a summary of, of my background and where I come from and, and kind of like... Um, how I developed this identity. Before I jump into the next question uh, on the script here, could you expand a little bit on on your Oscar Howe experience uh, early on? Yeah. Um, well, I, I think it isn't very important for me to always include my Oscar Howe Summer Art Institute experience because like I've said, it, that's uh, like a life changer to me. And uh, I, I really do credit that as very prolific in my whole journey. The Oscar House Summer Art Institute it was very important to me, very prolific and is a point in my evolution, my growth, my direction as a person, especially as an artist. And it's, it's very, um, I always feel like it's important to talk about the Oscar House Summer Art Institute because of just the experience that I went through and just how it, it's really a part of my story. And when I was 
in high school, uh, I remember the Oscar House Summer Art Institute was offered as as two high school students. But at that time, I believe you had to be nominated by like an art teacher or somebody like that. And um, I always had uh, art teachers in, in high school because I did have an art class in high school, but it wasn't anything very extensive, like I mentioned. But I would have my my instructors and they would always tell me about it. And they would also say that they were nominating me to attend. And they didn't really go in depth as to providing me a full overview of what it was about. So I, I didn't really understand what it was. I, I understood it as simply just the art uh, camp in the summertime. And being a, a youth, I, I wasn't interested. I was more distracted to, to enjoy the summertime and just hang out with my cousins and, and just, you know, be crazy, I guess, or just, you know, not have to worry about school. I thought of it as school. And I, I was really fortunate to be, uh, in a way, aware of it throughout high school since those nominations were, were being made. But I never followed through until when I got to um, my senior year and I was nominated again. And finally, I, 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 I thought about it and I had um, heard a little bit more about it because of Gerald being involved in it. And Gerald was a relative to, to me. Uh, he, his, um, his children were my, my nephews. Um, so uh, knowing Gerald for a while, um, and I didn't know him super, super well yet so much, um, that was a little something that compelled me to think about it, to consider it more so. But there was still a little bit of a challenge as far as just like how to get out there to Vermilion because it's about four hours from Kyle. And I had never been there in, in my life. I had pretty much been isolated here to West River, uh, pretty much on the res. You know, sometimes I'd go to Rapid City, but I'd never really been elsewhere. So I, I was still kind of hesitant, but um, I was also allowing that to kind of influence me to, to almost talk my way out of it again. But I had a really good teacher in high school who, who was really encouraging and he helped raise money. He lived in Hot Springs and he brought a lot of people together. And they raised funds and they gave me gas money and things like that. So that kind of just like definitely pushed me to the point where I said, all right, I'm going to go. And, and I had my dad and my, um, my dad's wife drive me. And we, we left late and we got there super late, early in the morning, probably about two or three in the morning. And everything was closed down. I was late. I was supposed to arrive on that Sunday, but we didn't get there till very, very late. And um, what we did is we just crashed out in a parking lot. And then I got up and I got, you know, over there real quick and uh, right away just dropped into that first drawing <laughs> class. I uh, didn't check into the room or didn't do anything like that. Just jumped right into it. And it was just like a quick, like, here you go. Here's a piece of charcoal. Start drawing. Um, <laughs> and it was fun, though. It was very, very fun. Um, and uh, quickly, I got to meet people. I got to meet the other students and the, the instructors and, and the staff. and Started to kind of get a little bit um, more used to uh, the fine arts department at USD. And, um, you know, it was it was automatic life changer. You know, each day was something new. And I think one of the, the biggest impacts was, was that Oscar Howe lecture. I believe it was John Day who was giving the lecture. And you, you hear the biography of who Oscar Howe is. And automatically, I've seen the visuals of his artwork. But hearing more about the, the biography 
And the way John Day told it was great. I don't think mm-hmm. a lot of people could compare to the, the way John Day would um, share Oscar Howe's biography. I think that one of the, the big impacts for me was hearing the Oscar Howe lecture. And, and I mean, those lectures were, were diverse, but the very first one was on Oscar Howe. And John Day was the lecturer and he shared the biography of Oscar Howe. And um, to me, I, I, I didn't know what to expect going into this institute. I, I thought it was just an art camp, uh, something like that. And when we had that chance to, to hear the story of Oscar Howe and understand the legacy uh, of what this institution was representing, uh, that was very uplifting to me. And automatically, I, I, I understood and I felt like I had a connection with Oscar Howe. Uh, because of his 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 background, you know where he came from, being raised by his grandmother, coming from from his homelands in Dakota country uh, in Crow Creek, and how he had his own story, you know, progressing as a young man, going on to pursue an education in arts and ultimately mastering and, and really being confident and and very very um, honest in his voice as an artist and how his trust in himself, I think was groundbreaking and it, and it really developed as this modern native art and how so many other artists who would come after him owe him so much for what he, just who he was, you know, and I don't think it was a big, a big um, attempt or ambitious endeavor to go out and, and become this, this famous, um, person or artist you know this remarkable individual I think he was just being true to himself and and I think that that's always what will make any person be great and what they do so so seeing the work obviously was very uh, inspiring outstanding you know it's beyond words to see an Oscar Howe piece in person and to have that opportunity as a young person I mean that was just like I said life-changing to be in the gallery because um, the lecture was in the gallery in Oscar House Gallery, and I had never even seen a slide or an image of Oscar House work prior to that. I, I was introduced to his work firsthand in person, and when I was in that gallery, it was just you know a moment of silence. There were um, no words that I could say. It was just uh, total visual dialogue, visual communication, transference of energy standing in front of one of his pieces. I can't remember exactly which one it was. I feel like it's the one where the the three women are are combing their hair. Um, Mm. But when I was standing in front of that piece, I could just see this um, vibrating, pulsating type of sensation. It felt like those works were alive. And I I don't really tell that to a lot of people, but um, I mean, it could be an optical, you know, element of his design and his color use. But I felt like it was more so that there was an energy in there. And later on in life, when I would get more involved with our, our cultural, um, I guess, beliefs and, and um, foundations, um, I would understand that as what's thought of as the concept of si chun, which is this energy. <clears throat> and it's like a spiritual energy. And I believe that Oscar Howe and who he was as a person, he, he put that energy into his work, each and every one of them. And when you're 
meant to encounter that. I think that you can, you can sense it. You can maybe even see it or maybe even feel it. You know, it, it totally um, affects your sensations. Um, so I can go on and on about that. And just like later on in life, how, how art and the different theories of art throughout world history, art history, um, has also pointed to, to those type of occurrences and experiences. But um, going back to the Oscar House and Art Institute, uh, the lecture was very, very monumental for me. It, it really made me pay attention. And for the remainder of that, that time that I was there at the Institute, I, w- I was very appreciative. And I, I understood that this was a big um, gift of huge generosity um, by so many people. You know, there was so many people who were, who were generous in, in giving this to me. And I didn't want to um, take it for granted. I didn't know what I wanted to do as a youth um, following high school graduation. I actually was going to go to, into the army and I'd met with a recruiter. Um, I remember talking with the counselors at my, my high school and there wasn't a lot of options, you know, because I wasn't a very standout academic um, or an athlete. So I knew that I wanted to do something. I wanted to have some sort of goal in life. And I felt like following in the, in the footsteps of my grandparents, my grandfathers on both sides of my family um, would be a nice um, goal for myself. But when I went to Oscar Howe uh, Summer Art Institute, I automatically changed my mind. And I also didn't even know that there was any opportunities in higher education for an artist, for a native artist, um, until I visited with Gerald. And I, I knew that USD was there, but then I had also became aware of the Institute of American Indian Arts. So I, I, I made the decision to apply to IAIA and I was accepted in. And that's really where, where my, the beginning of my, my life as an artist you know, starts, was there at Oscar House and Art Institute. There were so many cool things that were there beyond just the, the opportunity to practice and, and, and make art and to um, engage with Oscar House story and his legacy because i mean when you break that down there's so many others like you said you were visiting with don montalo and you know that he's one of the the first students of oscar Howe, bobby pan those um those first generation oscar house students were also very influential and then when i start to unravel that further and learn more about the northern plains contemporary art scene the tribal art scene um that was very inspirational as well too that's where i encountered roger brower's work don rouleau and then all these artists who were who were making work in 70s into the 80s, then eventually into the 90s, uh, and that's really where where I became became or that's where I became uh, connected to this continuum that I believe is our our Northern Plains Ochete Shakoni arts. You know, with with you t- mentioning the Oscar Howe program and uh, those lectures. Uh, this goes into the second question of who are your, your biggest influences? Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a good question, you know, and I know that that's a hard question for some people as well too sometimes. Um, but I think about that and I, I, I constantly think about that, not, not just for, um, the purpose of, of having a handy answer. Um, but because of understanding that who I am as an artist uh, there's a, a artistic family tree involved in that. You know, we have to look back to our inspirations, but then also their inspirations as well, too. Um, 
but there's so many different ways to go about that. But I, I think that I can I can really um, offer a good few inspirations. Uh, first and foremost was my, my grandmother, my Unchi. I always say that with any opportunity for an interview that talks about that type of a question, because I, I grew up watching her make star quotes. And I didn't really see it as art, but I, I now know that it was that creative synergy that she was um, drawing upon. And that's what drew me into it because I wouldn't ask her questions about what she was doing, but I would stand there and I would watch her. I could even remember vividly just when I, when I, when I think about it, the sounds of her sewing machine. And I knew, you know, she had a process going. I knew that there were certain parts of the day where she was definitely in, in deep focus of what she was doing. And I can really critically articulate it today, but simply it was just um, my first influence was her. And then, um, like I said, growing up, I didn't really have a whole lot of introduction to to fine art <clears throat> until I went to the Oscar Howe Summer Art Institute. So it has to automatically next be Oscar Howe. Um, and then, like I was mentioning in the first question, uh, his legacy, his students, you know, very, very much so Bobby Penn. Um, when I was first introduced to Bobby Penn and his work, I wasn't of, um, you know, like totally um, hit over the head like I was with Oscar Howe. It was something that, that gradually um, really, really affected me. And he has since, um, I think, kind of um, overshadowed Oscar Howe in his influence. He's probably one of the biggest influences in who I am as an artist, but also uh, just his, his critical nature and, and a lot more that I would encounter about him. Um, has been so inspirational. And um, I, I think that he's one of the, the, the most um, significant native artists, definitely for our Northern Plains region. And he, uh, he is definitely great in uh, greatness in, in my eyes. So I, I do like uh, a lot of what he did and then probably because I, I later on in life would, would become more of a painter. I would, I would understand that that's where my heart is. So I think that's how I really gravitated more to, towards his work. When I was first beginning, I, I looked to Oscar Howe and then to his students, um, primarily Bobby Penn, uh, Don Montalo, Arthur Amiot. Those were my first introductions to any type of native artists, especially from, from my homelands that were doing anything contemporary. And, and I felt like that was art. I, I think that that's what established what is art in my mind. And then quickly when I went to IAIA, um, there was a whole nother legacy down there. There's a whole nother context that is all um, you know, ingrained in IAIA. And I, I looked at TC Cannon, you know, I think that he was very much a, a, a contemporary to um, Bobby Penn. And those two were both, you know, very, very magnificent painters, you know, in, in separate parts of the, the, the country, you know, north and south. But um, I, I like Bobby Penn, I really got invested into T.C. Cannon because of a lot of his writings, his thoughts. Never had the opportunity to meet either one of these um, men, but I could read through their, their um, papers, their notes, their poems. I could hear more from the people who did know them. And I think a lot of that was what got me more and more interested in who they were. 
And then later on, like I said about this idea of a, a artistic family tree, I would look to who are their inspirations, who are they looking at. And I could also kind of start to assume who they were looking at as well, too, based off of the different type of work that they were making, that the ideas that they were absorbing for their times. Um, so those are, are, are definitely the, the top inspirations. But I'm also very much inspired and encouraged by artists today. You know, I, I it, it's just, um, I always say that I feel like sometimes I'm more of a art appreciator than an artist. I do love looking at art more so than, than, than probably making it. Um, and with that, I think that there's so many different uh, artists and art forms that inspire me. It can be a career artist at it for, for generations, or it can be a young upcoming um, youth who is barely starting to develop their voice, you know? Um, and I have the privilege and fortune to, to, to engage with all of that now. You know, I, I get to go on the art trail. I get to go to the museums, um, but I also get to instruct. I get to, I get to work with our, our community as well, too. So all of that is inspirational to me. Hmm. How have you developed your career, uh, college, post-college? <clears throat> well, um, as I mentioned, uh, I made the decision to, to go pursue an art degree once I understood that that was something that was even available to me. And, and I stuck with it. I, I didn't really know what I wanted to, to get into. I, I knew that I liked art and most of my, my experience was in drawing. You know, I just love to draw. But when I got to IAI, I didn't really know what to do. So I, I jumped into photography. And that's where I spent the, the majority of my focus for my undergraduate years was in photography. But then I slowly started to kind of slip into printmaking. So printmaking and photography were, were the top um, discourse that I was engaged with. I, I, I really enjoyed the, the um, process and the, the, the methods and a lot of the technicalities that came with both of those media. Um, but my friends were all painters and my interests and what I was like really... Um, personally so so attracted to was was painting i used to work at the museum down in um i i had a class down there so sometimes i'd walk through and see these big paintings and and they were just um very inspirational and i also remember oscar howe's impact when i was talking about that that whole um feeling i had when i was viewing his work so i've always loved painting but i i, I never really got into it um so i started to 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 dabble in my my dorm room and I would also come back to Oscar Howell as well, too. I was very lucky to be offered to um, the opportunity to come back being in high school and then eventually kind of like raising up a little bit in the ranks to become like a student assistant and instructor. Um, so I was painting more, and especially underneath Gerald, who was a painter, who was really um, inspiring me to paint more. Um, so leaving I, I with my BFA, um, I came back home. And, and I just continued to paint. You know, I didn't have a studio, so I would paint, you know, in an apartment, um, sometimes at the kitchen table, wherever I could make a space. And my paintings were very limited, but I began to exhibit them locally, regionally. I started to get involved first with the Red Cloud Indian Art Show that was here in my backyard on the Pine Ridge Reservation. I'd never knew about it growing up, um, but I had a, a friend who was at IAIA and she was passing around these flyers 
she eventually became the director or the curator at Red Cloud. Um, and I was also showing at little exhibits here and there, you know, in like Rapid City, Sioux Falls, um, getting involved in the market, in the Indian art market scene. And um, it was kind of in a way beginning to, to really, I think, um, develop this, this, um, this, this urgency to want to do more. And, and so I felt like it was important for me to grow a little bit more. So I made the decision to go back to, to school and, and I had a, a good opportunity through USD um, because we were working with the Oscar Howe Summer Art Institute there to, to look at their program for a graduate uh, degree. And I did, I made the decision to go back there and they were my, my first uh, pick because of Oscar Howe and knowing that Oscar Howe's collection is there and hoping that I could um, utilize that more and really and really like look at, look at it and, and, and kind of have conversation with it, but not just only Oscar Howe, but Bobby Penn as well too. I felt like it was important to, to take advantage again of, of this opportunity that was presenting itself to, to find my place in this continuum. So I did go to USD and I was very uh, happy to, to spend some time there and just focus on painting. I actually um, got my MFA in painting, learning all these different concepts and these different um, approaches to painting. And really I, I, I learned a lot and I really bettered my abilities as a painter. Um, in that short time, because I mean, three years seems like a long time, but it was really a short time um, because you're still like trying new things, exploring and stuff like that. You're still holding on to old things that you're doing that you think you're great at, but you're really realizing that there's still a whole lot you need to learn. Um, that all hit me and I, I left there. And, and now I, I'm, I'm teaching at our Oglala Lakota College, our, our tribal college here back at my home. And I get a chance to even get more and more um, fresh and more and more proficient in my abilities because I have to teach the fundamentals now to my students. So I'm learning drawing all over again. I'm learning color theory all over again. The very introductory fundamentals and principles that we all need as an artist are really starting to stick with me more so. And I can see my work getting stronger and stronger. Um, so. As an artist, that's really how I've, I've developed to today, really. Hmm. You're moving into the, I think, the mid part of your career now. Um, and I preface this because uh, I, I asked the question is, how do you seek opportunities? And I've spoken to a number of artists across the spectrum of their career. Mm -hmm. And uh, they've talked about how opportunities um evolve over time depending on where they are mm -hmm. and i'm just uh, curious in how you seek opportunities or how they present themselves to you yeah well it's kind of also funny to think about like approaching mid career <laughs> but i know beginning that I, that beginning of mid -career. <laughs> i'm no longer emerging you know i can recognize that i remember mm -hmm. when i was emerging and i think that i i have kind of established myself more so, so uh, I, it's good to recognize that. And um, opportunities, I mean, opportunities are just everywhere. Opportunities are are are, are always, you know, available, um, but there's also all these different um, systems that are attached to that as well too. 
depending on um, what type of opportunities. I think for for me, I, I, I understand now that the opportunities to just be, uh, to have this belonging, you know, where I came from was a big opportunity that shaped me. Um, the opportunity to, to have Oscar House Summer Art Institute available in our state, that was a huge opportunity, right? For Oscar Howe to, to establish that with the vision of, of giving back to younger, uh, up-and-coming Native American, primarily artists. Um, I mean, that was huge. Um, art institutions are big, and and all the different networks and resources that they provide are, are great. And maybe you're, you're, you're somebody who's super focused at a young age, and you can automatically pick up on those things, or you have a, a demonstration of, of a... Um, of a, of a, of a, I would say a, a decent conduct as a student so that um, uh, others who are active in, in their roles um, in those within those institutions can provide those opportunities to you, right? Because there's people who have those roles to, to, to hold on to those opportunities and uh, disperse them um, accordingly. But if you're somebody who, who kind of is on that fence and... <laughs> Uh, you're you're really independent in a way you know you don't have a lot of people looking out for you and you're and you're doing it on your own so much um, it's really how are you going to start to create a strategy for for your direction first and foremost it's probably developing a, a sense of just recognition of what is your desire what should you be doing with your life and then maybe start to come pursue that a little bit more you know for me it was art so I looked into art education going to school for it. And later on in life, um, I came back home and it can be very, very, this um, uh, sense of like limiting, you know, you, you go back to the reservation or you go back to South Dakota and you feel like there's nothing, you're, you're away from the art world. Um, it's very rural and it's very much um, grassroots. Um, but you can look around and, and maybe you can find uh, arts, organizations or programs that are allocating certain opportunities specifically for an artist or a Native American possibly. Um, or you can start to, um, you know, develop those opportunities yourself. And I think now, today, that's something that's very, very realistic. Whereas when I was kind of still coming up, it wasn't so much. You really depended on those opportunities that were kind of, um, I guess, categorized and, and kind of locked up in a way. Um, <clears throat> and you had to demonstrate that you were willing to, to be a part of this uh, paradigm of this certain type of field in, in order to, to start to gain, uh, I guess, I guess mileage <laughs> and show that you, you've earned certain opportunities. But... Um, I think things are changing today. I think things are, are getting re-evaluated, reassessed, and, and these these hierarchies that, that could have existed are starting to get kind of um, questioned out and called out. So it's really about thinking critical, I believe. You know, you, you just really want to question things and, and, and really, if there are opp opportunities, you know, ask yourself, and should I get those opportunities? You know, um, should I have access to these opportunities? 
And if you're not, then ask why, you know, or if you are, then then ask why as well, too. If there is no opportunities, then ask, you know, why is that so as well, too? You know, start to look at your surroundings, start to look at how are you involved in whatever it is that your desire is about. You know, we're talking mo mostly about art here. So um, I think for me, I, I didn't have a lot of uh, success early on. I didn't, I didn't, um, you know, have a lot of opportunities thrown at me. Um, a lot of it was just trying to stay dedicated to what you do uh, because there was a passion involved. I loved making art. I loved painting. So I continued to do it regardless. Even if I was going to be broke forever, I would have still done art. And, and I, I convinced myself about that. And I think that um, just staying, you know, very um, focused, you know, having some fortitude and continuing to put my artwork out there, eventually people saw it. Eventually people started to appreciate it. And that opened up doorways. You know, I got opportunities and invites to participate in exhibitions, uh, certain things like that. I was very, very fortunate to sell work. And I, I look at my work that's very early and I, and I don't really feel like it's it's all that. Um, I don't know. I still question the value of it when you associate, you know, a price to it. But um, just staying consistent and not giving up has given opportunity um, after opportunity, you know, and then also just how you are as a person. I think people um, remember that and they will, will call upon you sometimes as well, too. And, and I, I think that <laughs> when I think back to when I was coming out and when I think about um, young artists, sometimes it's easy to, to really be um, really, really feeling yourself in a way, you know, like if you win an, a merit award or you do make a sale or even just like going to IAI or these things like that. Um, they they can be humble brags, you know. You can really start to feel yourself and, and think that you're you're really further than you really are. Um, so, in order to be humbled and just engage with these um, artists that have come before me to understand their importance, I think it really deflated my head and it made me realize that if um, I'm going to do this, if I'm going to be sincere in what I I do, um, I need to know my place in it all. And it's not like I'm the first one to do this. Mm -hmm. And I think just that character and that, I guess, value of who I am um, has helped me with opportunities. And I think people, um, they will appreciate me, you know, and, and that will then lend to me giving them a good effort. And then, you know, if you put in your, your heart into what you do, people recognize that and then the rewards will come on their own. I like that recognition. Uh, that one is not the first to go through this. You know, yep. I think that's that's really that's something that I think gets lost uh, often. Um, Lisa, when when I read the yeah. way people talk about themselves, well, I mean, or even, uh, we could even think about like our ancestors who were, you know, doing their work. You know, that we call artifact today, and how so many artists um, they look for the opportunity to go to these collections, these museum collections, and that's very. Um, exclusive in its own right as well too but mm -hmm. to be able to go in and just like be the only one to pick up these old artifacts these these beaded regalias or these um accoutrements or whatever and to take that knowledge that aesthetic that design that color all of that expression and then to start to utilize it in your own work i mean that's a huge opportunity and that's a big privilege and i think that sometimes it, it can allow an artist to feel like they're they're pushing themselves further forward um, whereas like we got to just be mindful that we're not the first ones, right? 
our ancestors yeah. were great in what they were doing. And then there's even more who go unnamed and who for will forever be unnamed that we're, we're not aware of, you know? So these are those critical thinkings that I think that um, really are essential to just any person, but especially to a native American artist, you've got to have that critical thinking skill. That's going to help you more so than anything else in the, in the long term. And this, this ties into the last question uh, that you've been touching on is what would you say to uh, the 18 year old uh, that's just starting out in this field or the 22 year old or the, the, the young artist? <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's, that's great. I mean, I, I think about, I know like when you, you say, if you had the opportunity to talk to yourself at that age um, mm-hmm. and I, I feel like there's, there's nothing you can really do about changing your past there's so much that um, was just the way it was meant to be. Possibly that's my philosophy, but I think that um, I am fortunate in in a, in a way, though, because it, um, I'm here now in this instructor role, and I do get to come across these youngsters, you know, all the way up from from little kids to to college students of all ages, yeah. and in a way, I see myself again, and I I really feel like um, my passion. And my sincerity is always going to be there. You know, I'm so thankful for what's all been given to me that I know, again, my place in this continuum. I know it's my turn to, to start giving that back. And I think about all those who are generous and giving what they could to me, even in that, that first um, instance of, of getting to Oscar Howe um, Summer Art Institute for the first time. You know, I, I have that all still in my mind, in my heart. So anytime I have the opportunity to share that with my students, I give it my all, you know, it's a lot of energy to give, but I feel like, um, you know, that's probably how Oscar Hell felt, you know, he was given a lot of his energy and his time because he understood what, what the, the payoff was going to be. The rewards were going to come, not just much, so much for him. We, we really love him and we recognize his, his legacy, but I think he was um, wanting that to be something that was shared. You know, he recognized the need for it to be shared, that it should be something that we all, um, have the opportunity to, to be a part of something good, you know? So looking back at, at that opportunity, I mean, that's what it's about for me. You know, I love to do art, but more so I love to give back. I think it's just, again, about being a relative, you know, so very much goes full circle to, you know, (laughs) growing up. Mm -hmm. Where can people find you on online, um, to see your work i have an incomplete web page um Um, it's incomplete i haven't had the chance to really finish it up but it's out there it's public if you if people want to see more of my artwork and stuff they can go there i also have a facebook um art page keith braveheart art a lot of people usually go through social media and i try to stay active so that's how they can find me as well too or you can always come to kyle south dakota and ask around and i'd rather meet you in person (laughs) that's great Keith thank you so much yep you're welcome Joe and that does it for this episode of five plain questions I want to thank Keith for uh, his time and his story Uh, you know Keith is someone that I've known for 20 years Um, I was actually there when he started the Oscar House Summer Art Institute and during the course of this conversation it brought me back to those days Um, you know I I don't remember the 
the moment Keith walked through the door because it was a first day for a lot of students. But I do recall that uh, one of the students arrived late that, that the night before and uh, ended up sleeping on the parking lot. And I remember we felt horrible about that. Uh, but I'm sure we, we corrected that as soon as possible. And there was no more issues as far as that went uh, in that program. But, you know, it's it's been such a honor and pleasure watching Keith progress through the years, you know, and having been able to witness those those first couple of years at that Summer Art Institute. And, you know, the, the credit goes all to Keith, uh, his hard work, his dedication, and such a great perspective on life and career and the gratitude that he carries. Um, I'm just fortunate to have been there to see it. And, you know, there's been a lot of good people that were there uh, at that time and throughout his career. Uh, people like um, Gerald Knoyer, who was on the first episode of this series, and a number of people that will actually are coming up on a future episodes of the series as well, which I'm really excited about. But I think it reflects the, the ethic of the artists in the Northern Plains tradition. Uh, Native American artists, yeah, but uh, artists first and foremost. But these are people who are good people who, who have a gratitude in life and a, a perspective of helping one another. And they practice that. And that's something that is reflective in his character. And so it's, it's just uh, it's such a fantastic community to be a part of. So, but yeah. Uh, so thank you, Keith. More importantly, I, I want to thank you for joining us and spending your time listening to this very important story and perspective from our community. Please join us next week as we speak with another incredible person who personally I'm very excited about. I'm Joe Williams. You can find me on Canna, that's C-A-N-A-A, that's Creative Ameri- Creativity Among Native American Artists, on Facebook or on the plainsart.org website. There you can find our programming, our past videos, and these podcasts. You can also find us on SoundCloud and iTunes, and please subscribe to us on Apple iTunes. And soon there's going to be other podcast platforms that we'll be on. So if you have a suggestion for someone for me to interview, please find me on Facebook and message me. I, I really would like to hear from you. So that's it. Take care, and we will see you next week.